0: In this week's episode...
1: Uh, uh, That morning she'd made me breakfast and I crawled up the stairs to go to the toilet. That's how bad I was at that point. I literally crawled on my hands and knees to get up to the toilet up the stairs.
0: But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. With myself, obviously Owen, good to have you back And it's always my pleasure to have you here for this time, this conversation And to share the guest's wisdom that they always have And when they consistently offer unbelievable value and insight into their unbelievable lives And an unbelievable life is a simple way to put this next guest's life Because... My next guest is Lucas Clark. He is from Scotland, and long story short, you will hear it in detail. He had two very, very intense build-ups to separate diagnosis, and he most recently was diagnosed with type one diabetes in March 2021. And since then, Lucas has continued to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Continued to lift insane weights in the gym and has competed in british weightlifting championships which is incredible in itself i don't want to keep talking because this was one of my favorite episodes that i recorded i could sit and listen to lucas tell his story all day to be honest with you so i'm gonna let him tell it i'm not gonna take up more of your time enjoy this episode and i'll chat to you soon the big thing that stands out to me about you, Lucas, is when I see somebody on Instagram, particularly a type 1 diabetic, on Instagram, lifting double their body weight over their head, I'm in, I'm intrigued to know how and why that is done. So what drove you, Lucas, initially towards weightlifting? Uh,
1: it's a funny one, actually. It was when I was in hospital. Uh, originally, it wasn't with type 1 diabetes. It was with my Crohn's disease. Um and also typhi i'd been in and out of hospital and stuff and a video came up on instagram and it was uh dmitry klokov hang snatching i think it's 210 kilo and i'm sitting there and i've just been told by the doctor right you need to give up athletics you're not going to be competitive this is what impacts it's going to have and i seen this 210 kilo snatch and i thought i want to do that yeah i was like I-, I can do that um and so then when i came out of hospital i went in and out of the gym I couldn't really find a drive apart from just wanting to have fun. Um, a few years went by. I was in and out, had to be operation, stuff like that. And I was just messing about in the gyms. And then my old coach actually contacted me one day and he said, you're still messing about in the gym. <laughs> and I was like, i do a wee bit. And he's like, right, if you want to do a wee messing about then, come up to this new gym one of the boys is opening um, and we'll have a look at what you're doing so i went up and i just did some power snatches nothing too heavy some power cleans and then did some squats and he turned to me after the session and went right if you want to compete think about it over christmas and let me know and i'm sitting there thinking all right um i don't really know about competing like i've just dream it's like 50 kilo power snatch it's nothing impressive and i was like all right okay they went, no, have a think. And then obviously over Christmas, I thought, right, I want to compete. Uh, so I started training in the January. Six months later, I did my first comp and that's been me hooked ever since. Um, With your coach kind of
0: reaching out to you again, did he for some reason see some like almost instinctive potential within your weightlifting career or what did he see in you? Uh,
1: he always says he's seen the fire. He um, was like, no one goes to the gym, squats three, four times a week um, after being in the hospital with Crohn's disease. He's like, it's not possible. People don't do it normally. Never mind. after a setback like that. So he was like, you just seen this fire and then a bit of potential he was like, so he just reached out and, and cause I'd worked with him for, for years before it and I sort of left the work and that's when he just reached out and thought, I'll see what he's doing. See how he's getting on. So a strange way to get into it, but obviously I was 24 when I started. Um, so a bit later than what most people would get into that type of sport.
0: You were obviously sitting in the hospital. You had yep. just been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. And yep. you were told specifically by the doctor, you can't do these things. Yep. So you then saw a video of somebody doing, I think, what you say, 210 10 kg kilo. lift. Mm-hmm. And was it that video that kind of prompted you to
1: almost oh, give yeah. the doctor the see you later and go off and do your own thing (laughs) yeah because it'd been months had gone by i was in and out in and out, and i was like i don't know what i can do next you see that way you sort of listen to them telling you right you can't Mm -hmm. compete you can't do this you're like i don't know what i'm gonna do to enjoy myself to get that fire to go to the gym to keep healthy i mean because you come from a background of sprinting it's explosive it's power it's all this stuff and then they're telling you to take up tai chi or take up yoga um Go and do breaststroke in the swimming pool, and you're like, that doesn't interest me at all. And then I seen this 210 kilo, and I thought, no, that's what I'm gonna do. That has that's the route. So, do you feel that it was almost inevitable that
0: you would see this video at some stage, or do you feel it was just that perfect moment you saw
1: that video? That's a tough one, isn't it? Um, No, I definitely think I would have seen it anyway at some point, and I think it would have just grabbed my attention. But I think. Just sitting there in the hostel was the perfect chance. So what made you search or
0: did you search for this type of video when you're lying in a hospital bed? No, it
1: just came up just uh, scrolling through social media and there it was just a uh, video that you've reacted to. Something like that, like, you know, where it comes up similar videos. Mm. And then there was this one and I was like, wow, now that's different.
0: So you felt that kind of lit that fire for you again and yep. got you going? So let's go back then slightly, Lucas, even just in terms of, or even before you were in hospital, what led to that hospital trip? What led you to being diagnosed with ulcerative ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease?
1: Um, Basically, do you remember the video? I don't know if you would have had it over in Ireland as well, but uh, Sir Alex Ferguson talks about if you pass blood even once, it could be the early sign of bowel cancer. I don't know if no, you would have seen that. that. Uh, it was a video out in Scotland on the news and stuff and it was always about if you pass blood get checked. I'd been passing blood for about six months at this point and every time I seen that advert I was like I can't go to the doctors, I can't have bowel cancer, I'm only 19, I'm only um, 20. And so uh, Every time it just filled that fear that I, I'm not ready to have bowel cancer so I never went and about I'd say almost just over a year went by um, and then I finally went to the doctors And I first went in and I sort of was like, oh, I've got this, I've got that, blah, blah. The guy looked at me and he went, you've been here for two years at this doctor's surgery. You've never came in once. You've not came in for anything that you can get prescribed. Like, what's going on? What's the real reason you're here? Um, And I sort of told him, I was like, oh, it's been a couple of weeks that I've been having issues. And he was like, right, okay, cool. I'll write you a sick line. We'll do some investigations. I went back two days later and I was like, it's maybe been about six months. He was like, right, okay, that's more serious. He went, come back tomorrow. I went back tomorrow. I went, by the way, it's been a year. And he was like, "Right, you're going to hospital right now." And I thought I was just going up for a wee test, like just to be X-ray, something like that. I mean, didn't really think too much of it. And the next thing I know, that was me in for for a week straight in, uh, admitted to ward and all that. So, uh, it was a year of weight loss, of passing blood, of constant toilet trips, um, major fatigue, uh, lack of appetites at the time. Uh, just a real tough year mm-hmm. in my life, um, but I just didn't want to admit it. So this was obviously the first time
0: that you had kind of been ignoring it for that time. Yeah, 100%. Was that building up in your head over that two-year period, thinking that you potentially had bowel cancer?
1: Yep. And I was like, if I don't know, I don't have it. That was my logic at the time. I was like 19, then 20, and I'm like, if I don't go to the doctors, I'll never know that I have bowel cancer, so I can just live my life. So what made you then... Go oh, finally. Um, I think my my girlfriend who was now my wife at the time. She kept trying to force me to go, but I think it just got to the point where it was literally unbearable. I was going to the toilet at least forty times a day, every day. Forty uh, four zero. Yeah, four zero times a day. Uh, I was working as a lifeguard at the time, and I'd have to radio people. I'd literally get on the chair, and I'd be like, "Can someone come cover me?" I'd go to the toilet. I'd come back, and I'd be like, hey, "Can someone come cover me again?" and it was just constant it was things like that and i mean i was getting off the bus so i'd leave the house um to go to work and i'd get the bus three buses earlier than what i used to just so i could get to a toilet in case i needed it things like that like and i was like i can't keep living my life like this something's got to be done so was it then a a massive sense of relief given the
0: fact that it obviously wasn't
1: Yep. Okay. Uh, my dad's got Crohn's disease as well. So, see, that way I was like, right, okay, this is understandable. I know where I'm going now. Um, but yeah, it was definitely that huge fear just lingering over about bowel cancer at the time. So, for anybody who might
0: not know, what sort of impact has this had, Lucas? Like, is there treatment for it? Do you take medication for it? How has your life changed since?
1: Um, so. Yeah, the first few years were quite challenging. Uh, a lot of medication at the start, uh, uh, you go on like prednisolone tablets as well when you come out of the hospital, wreak havoc with your body anyway. Um, but then it was uncontrolled. I still couldn't control it no matter what medication they tried. So I went on to like, a form of chemotherapy um, called Infliximab. I was on that for about 18 months. Uh, And then that wasn't having the desired impact either. Um, So then I went on to another type of treatment called Humira, Um, and that's like a self-injection, but it's not like an insulin pen. It's like a proper syringe, Um, and you'd had to put it in the fridge. Um, You'd take it out. You had to ice your stomach uh, 15 minutes before you were going to inject it. Um, Ice it for 15 minutes after things like that. So it was quite a proper syringe if you know what i mean if you were scared of needles then this one was definitely one that would put that into you um so i was on that for about a year and that honestly i, I swear that was the best thing i've ever had um worked miracles for me um gave me a proper sense of life back um because for the 18 months before that, even though I was on medication, I was going up to the hospital and stuff. I didn't have like, a sense of proper life. I mean, two days after the chemotherapy and stuff, I'd be floored. And then two weeks before going back on it, I'd feel the same. Um, but then Hamida just gave me a good sense of life. And that's when I started getting to a bit more training as well. Um, and then after that, so in and off medications. And then I came off mostly all my medications for Crohn's disease. About, A year before um, I got diagnosed with diabetes.
0: So you said you had been training, obviously, before you got this diagnosis. Yep. And you've also said that you were going to the bathroom up to 40 times a day. How did that work?
1: Uh, Basically, I just go to the gym. And the thing in my mind was the gym was the safe place to go because you're closer to a toilet and like, people said oh you should take up jogging it's better for the mind and blah blah, blah. and i was like but if you go jogging you don't know where the nearest toilet is mm. um so i'd go to the gym and then you could i'd just run out of the gym like mid sets i'd be like bang need to go um and so yeah i've still had flares uh since sort of competing as well um and it is you just you're mid-set and you're like right I need to go to the toilet and you just run out of the gym um so aye, it's one of them things and you just learn to deal with it
0: He sounds like a lot to say the least. (laughs) And so you obviously then got pretty, like pretty massively involved with weightlifting relatively shortly after that diagnosis.
1: Yep. Um, aye. So I was diagnosed 2014. Um, I'm trying to think when, 2018 I first did my first comp. So obviously the 18 months of chemo, I didn't really train too much. Um, that was the heat that I really started training on. Um, And then, like I say, six months into training, I did my first competition and did three competitions that year and then never looked back since.
0: So tell me then when, when diabetes was thrown into it, because that obviously sounds like a lot to deal with for a very extended, like a very long period of time. And then yep. you feel as if you've got this sense of relief. You're now training consistently, doing competitions, progressing a lot, obviously physically and mentally. And now yep. Boom, you're hit with diabetes.
1: Yep. Um during lockdown. So it's the world shut down, you're just doing your thing. I was training out in the back garden. Um and I had a bit of issues around energy and sort of things like that. And I phoned the doctors and like, oh maybe it's just a early onset of your Crohn's flare. Just keep an eye on it, things like that. Um, and then I did one of the online comps just before the Christmas. And I never normally have or never used to have snacks in between snatch and clean and jerk. Um I've done my snatch and I'm like, I don't feel right. I don't know if I can clean and jerk. So I've had a full can of energy drink and like the 500ml can and a mars bar normally I wouldn't have that at all um, and I've had that and I'm like right okay I feel a bit better I can go and do my lifts now and then Christmas comes and it's the same and I'm feeling like this every day January hits and I start dropping weight and I'd moved up the weight category the year before and it took a long time to build up that weight steadily and then all of a sudden I'm start dropping and dropping and people are hitting out with things like oh you need to eat more peanut butter or have a scoop in the teller uh, in your porridge. things like that and I'm like I'm just dropping weight mm. like I'm having four scoops in the telinum porridge here, like, um, and then the alarming part I'd say at first was I feel like I was losing my eyesight. I went to sleep. Uh, I had like a migraine. I went, went for a nap, woke up and I couldn't see. I genuinely couldn't see. And I was like, I'm going blind. Uh, and obviously for anyone that knows that's when your blood sugars are so high that you're sort of losing your eyesight. And that happened first and went and got my eyes checked and stuff and no, no, it's just, one of these things that happen um, and I was getting dizzy I was feeling sick um, but I started passing out so this was probably by the February time I was sort of starting to pass out especially about three four in the morning I'd let the dogs out for the toilet I'd sleep on the couch so I'd wake up on the floor um, I'd wake up on the floor in the bathroom yeah so I was phoning the doctor again look something's not right but at this point I was still training outside minus three minus four things like that um, and I'd do a set of my squats and I'd go lie down on the couch for 20 minutes. And I'd go back out and I'd do another set. Um, I'd fall over in between my sets of squats. And I'm like, I don't know if this is right. And then my old coach came up to see me. And by this point, I dropped from 77 kilo down to 61 kilo.
0: And in like, what ah, space of time no, was like, is this, Lucas? That's a lot of weight.
1: So that was, I'd say, about seven weeks. I was down to 61. Um And then within the next sort of two weeks, I'd went down to 58. Um, So obviously I was, I look at some of the pictures from then, I deleted most of them because I couldn't, I can't look at them. I mean, I was so skinny. I was so frail. Um, I just look, well, majorly underweight at 58 kilo. Um, So yeah, so it was quite a scary time. And then the day that I went to hospital, I'd phoned NHS 24, uh, Cause my, my missus told me that right, you need, you need to do something. This isn't right. Um, and so we phoned NHS 24, then we phoned the GP and I've went and seen the GP and my missus has carried me to the car. I couldn't stand up. My breathing was so, so heavy. Um, she's helped me out to the car. She's then put me in the car, put a seatbelt on me, carried me into the GP and you still weren't meant to go in to the GP at that point with anybody. So it was maybe one at a time. And she said, I need to carry him. He can't walk. And she says to this day, like I was walking through like the GP corridor and I'm like leaning against the wall and I'm like sliding down and she's trying to hold me up the other way. Um, and then we went in to see the GP and I was just talking nonsense. Like I don't remember anything of being in there, um, but I've got like a scar on my stomach and she was asking if I've ever, ever been for an operation on my stomach and I was like, no, have you? And she's looking at the scar and she's looking at my uh, wife as well, like, has he ever been for an operation? And I'm like, have you? I just kept repeating it. And then she's like, you need to go to uh, the hospital right now. She's like, I'll phone you an ambulance, but you need to go right now. Um, so we stopped off on the way to get a couple of bottles of Lucozade because I was like, right, if I get my bloods done, like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm going to need Lucozade. Oh we walked God. through. And then I was like, right, and I'm, I'm standing there with these two bottles of Lucozade, um, getting carried in. And then the nurses came out, seen me and went, I walk in and she went, You don't need them. You're diabetic. Just like and that I was straight like, away. No. Yep. I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, You're diabetic. Give me them leukazids. And she threw them in the bin and was like, You're definitely diabetic. Checked my bloods. Um, and I was 33 um, on on the blood sugar. Um, so yeah, so I was sky high, and obviously, I, I barely remember anything in there, and I was like, I need a drink. Like, I just need a drink, and she's like you need to sit down, and I'm like, I need a drink of water, and she's like, No, we'll get you ice cubes. You can't drink anymore. Um, so yeah, so it's quite. I look back, and it, it's frightening to think how severe it was at that point.
0: So you physically couldn't even walk into the GP's office, and your your yep. girlfriend at the time had to, well, your yep. wife of your wife now had to carry you in physically.
1: Yep. Uh, that morning, she'd made me breakfast and I crawled up the stairs to go to the toilet. That's how bad I was at that point. I like literally crawled on my hands and knees to get up to the toilet up the stairs. Oh,
0: like, what, what did you think at this time? Because obviously, in hindsight, like you know now it's it was type 1 diabetes and the build up to it. But what was going through your mind at this time? Because somebody who obviously prides themselves in... The amount of weight that they're lifting consistently, you know, the weight that they are physically to enter various types of competitions. What's going through your head?
1: Honestly, I don't even know. Um, like I said, I'd been phoning the GP, and I was like, "Look, I've dropped another five kilo. I've dropped another two. I've dropped another two kilo. Um, I don't feel right. Something's wrong." And I'd been trying to phone my specialist as well, and because of lockdowns and stuff, couldn't see them and. And it was a different specialist that I, was, I managed to speak to. And I think to this day, if I would have spoke to my other specialist, she'd probably be like, oh, you need to come to hospital. Because I used to always be like, I'm all right. And then she'd be like, right, okay, what's going on with your Crohn's? And I'd be like, ah, it's this. And then I'd explain, she's like, you, you're underplay it all. And then anytime I'd say, I'm not well, she'd be like, right, something's wrong. Um, and lastly, like I, I just, I knew something was up, but I just didn't know what it was. Um... And in the back of my mind, I did think, see when I lost like, my, my sight, not lost my sight completely, but when I started losing my sight a wee bit, I was like, this is diabetes. That's the first thing I thought. And I thought, no, it can't be. It can't be diabetes. And so I just played it off and thought, right, it's my Crohn's. The GP's telling me it's my Crohn's. I just need to keep an eye on it. And it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I was just like, I just need to persevere. I just need to keep going. I can't stop. At this point, like before obviously, I got admitted, I used to walk my dogs for about three hours a day and then i got to the point where i'd do a one kilometer loop and i'd be tripping up on that one kilometer loop like tripping over my feet tripping up over the curb and i'd stop for rests because i couldn't walk a kilometer without needing a break
0: and was it just like the the physical
1: difference that you were feeling like were you well i know obviously you're you're... mental as well or big time i was so anxious Mm -hmm. if someone asked me a question i'd I'd almost break down. I'd feel anxious. I'd feel dead. Like I was getting put on the spot, but it could be something like, do you want a drink? And I'm like, why did they put me on the spot? Hey, and I'd be overanalyzing everything. And mentally, I couldn't take much in, you know what I mean? I felt all over the place mentally and just, I, I just didn't understand much that was going on.
0: So when your coach arrived that day and you had dropped so much weight so rapidly, what did he say?
1: Yeah. He was like, fuck. He's like, look at the state of you. He's like, I don't know if I can say that actually you're on fine, this, but fine, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, look at the state of you. He's like, you look worse than when I first met you. He was like, what has happened? He was like, no, genuinely. He's like, sit down. He's like, what's going on? He's like, I know you told me you dropped weight and all that, but holy shit, you've dropped weight. He's like, what are you, 40 kilo? And I was like, no, I'm about 58, 59, maybe 60. And he went, no, you're not. He's like, there's nothing to you. He's like, right, you need to start squatting. And I'm like, I'm squatting. And he's like, clearly not. He's like, something. if you're squatting and you're looking like that, something's wrong. Um. So yeah, so he was taken aback by it big time. Um, you just couldn't get over it, the shape that I'd changed from into in such a short period of time.
0: And this was then, obviously, Lucas, being reflected on the weight that you were
1: lifting too, obviously. Yep. Um, I went from squatting uh, 175 range uh, three times a week to squatting 75 kilo twice a week. Um, So a 100 kg drop. Drop. Mm -hmm. I was cleaning, jerking 120s, 125, stuff like that. And then I was cleaning, jerking 100 kilo. When I say jerking, I'd stand up the clean and basically feel like I was about to collapse. So I just dumped the cleans, things like that. So, like, the squats and the deadlifts and all that type of stuff just dropped big time. And they were just felt so heavy. Everything felt so heavy. I'd pick it up, I'd be like, ah, phew, that, that's not seventy kg that, that must be 120. And I'd look at the bar again, I'd be like, no, I've only put, put one plate on. Jeez, that is mad.
0: Wow. And obviously throughout this whole time, because you're essentially getting weaker and lighter, were you trying to eat more food? Because you said you were trying to put like four <laughs> scoops in a tella to tr- to try and put that weight back on.
1: Yup. Um, this will sound crazy as well, but I used to wake up and it'd be about three, four in the morning and I'd have a full packet of penguin biscuits. <laughs> as in the full eight pack. Um, because I was like, I need to eat. And I, obviously, you don't really understand what's going on with your glucose levels, but you're like, I need something here. Um, and so I'd eat the full eight packet of penguin biscuits. And then I wake up again about five, six o'clock, i eat another eight packet of penguin biscuits. And people are like, oh, maybe you need to eat more. And I'm like, I'm eating 20 biscuits a day. Like, plus I'm putting four scoops of in the tail of my porridge. Plus I'm eating cake. Plus, I'm eating this. Plus, like, I'm putting every bit of calories I can find into my body at this point. Um And looking back,
0: given the situation that you're in, those types of foods are quite literally the worst type of foods you, <laughs> you should be eating at that time. <laughs>
1: Yep, 100%. And you just don't realize it. Like I say, I'd be training and I'd take it like a packet of the chocolate raisins and the fruit pastels. Like, I mean, I'd like in between sets, I'd have like fruit pastels and chocolate raisins to give me energy. I'm thinking that will be the answer. And uh, you're doing quite literally the opposite taking yep. energy away. Yep,
0: unbelievable. Right. So you're rushed into hospital. The nurse yep. throws the luke out in the bin, gets you into the bed. Presumably, mm-hmm. they put you on a drip and you now know yep. you have type 1 diabetes yep are you thinking here we go again
1: genuinely i wasn't thinking anything i was just say like, all right okay cool like that just shows how bad my mind was at that point Like i couldn't even take it in to realize this was type 1 diabetes uh, and they're like you're gonna need to go to high dependency. and i'm like why and Like, you need to go to high dependency as soon as there's a space, as soon as there's an uh, auxiliary to come and take you, you're going up there. And I'm like, Can I get a drink? And they're like, No, you, you, you can have an ice cube. And I'm like, I just need a drink. And then I think from in the bed, uh, I phoned my missus and she was at home with her mum and stuff like that. And I phoned her and I was like, How are you doing? And she's like, Hi, how are you? And I'm like, I am fine. What about you? <laughs> and she's like, You're not fine. Like, and they all burst out <laughs> laughing they're like why do you keep saying you're fine and I'm like oh, I don't know and the nurse was looking at me like you, you need to take this in uh, but it was only when I got sort of high dependency I started to realise obviously once the blood sugars and stuff were coming down a wee bit um, I started to take it in but like I say I was hooked up to the ECG hooked up to the blood pressure yeah, I had the, the sort of free cannulas in by this point point, um, and I still wasn't really understanding the situation so how long then were you in hospital for and how long was it until you kind of came back to? I was in the high dependency for sort of three days and then I was in the main diabetes ward, I think for two nights. So not as long as I, so I went down there for, for one night and I was in for the next day and then the next night and I went away. So the like about five days I was in, all in,
0: in the hospital. Mm. So given the fact then, Lucas, of how how quickly you got back into weightlifting After the Crohn's diagnosis, how long was it until you started consistently training after the diabetes diagnosis?
1: Uh, About four weeks. um, I was in the hospital. That was the first question I asked the diabetes specialist when he came (laughs) around. He looked at me and I went, right, when can I start training? And he went, let's just get through the next 24 hours. And then he came back about an hour later. I fell asleep. I woke back up. He's there again. And I'm like when can i start training and he's like let's just get through the next 24 hours And i'm like you told me that 24 hours ago and he's like no that was an hour ago and i'm like all right okay cool and then obviously the next day he's came to speak to me again he's talking away and he's like right have you got any concerns about being type 1 diabetic and i was just like when can i train when can i compete like that's all i need to know and he was like right okay he's like if it's well managed we can get you back into training you should be able to get back into competitions but it will take a long time i'm like okay but can i train that's the big thing i need to know can i train and he was like yeah you will be able to if it all goes well and i was like right brilliant that's all i need to know and he's like have you got any fear about like the insulin needles or about taking insulin i was like nope that's fine i'll just do it as long as i can get back to training and competing and then so when i came out the first thing i did was like i went a walk and it was like one 10 minute walk a day and my wife would come with me and we'd go a wee walk nice and slow and then the next day it was like two 10 minute walks then three 10 minute walks then 20 minute walk and i just built up built up and i kept going into the clinic and they're like right so what are you doing and i'm like oh this is like my plan that i've been doing every day and they're like you're quite structured with this." and i was like yeah i need to train and they were like right you can't train until you get the libra we're not going to let you go to the gym until you get your libra and every week I went in to the clinic and I'm like, when can I get this Libra? And they're like, you'll get it soon. Like, it just needs to be a And and I know I know well, they were holding off, like giving me it. Because like, they don't sure want you to can- train. <laughs> went- yep. And I'm like, and I go in then, like two days later and I'm like, uh, is that Libra been approved yet? And they're like, oh, we're just waiting for it to be uh, approved. Yeah, so maybe a couple of weeks. And I went in the next week and I was like, <laughs> I need that Libra. And the woman's looking at me and she's like, okay, you can get it today she's just like we shake the head like you're gonna need it
0: unbelievable it's actually i know i shouldn't be laughing but it's kind of funny because there was quite literally nothing else on your mind apart from what's the process yep. i need to go through to get me back training as soon as possible
1: yep i found my old coach from in high dependency and asked him do you think you'll be able to get a set of dumbbells up here while you're while in, in high hospital i'm like, Yep, I'm like, do you think you'd be able to get a set of dumbbells up? I was like, you can't, you need to drop it off at AE, but do you think they'll, they'll notice if it's dumbbells in a bag? I was like, I need something. I'm just lying here.
0: Uh, so where do you think, like, is that does that just come from your love of training?
1: Oh, big time, I think. But I think also the mind was oh, yeah, gone. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> understanding anything. I was just like, I just need to do something. And obviously all that time when I was struggling, before obviously knowing it was diabetes, and like sort of collapsing while training and stuff like that and i just get back up and do another set it was just like one of them things that i just had to do Mm. anyway it didn't really matter that it was causing all these extra issues you just need to go and do it Mm.
0: right so you've gotten out of hospital you've gotten your crash course you've been given your insulin you've now had your had your libra approved finally what was it like getting back into the gym for the first time
1: Oh, it was amazing i was still training outside uh, for my first session and they were like right you need to check your bloods on your libra before you start check your finger prick as well um if you're below five don't train um and i'm like ah, right, 5.2 yes i can train so i start training um in the first session i think i just did some light power snatches some light power cleans and I, see the whole time i was doing it i was like i need to go heavier i need to see what i've got I need to test myself here. But obviously I kept it calm. I kept the thingy. A couple of weeks went by and I'm like, right, I need to properly start testing now. Uh, And it was just, that buzz came back straight away. As soon as I touched that barbell, I was like, yep, this is what I need.
0: It sounds as though you almost kind of built your diabetes management around your training. And kind of gauged it from how your bloods react to your training.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'd, Obviously, the Libra does the 24 hour um, notice anyway, so you can look at the graph, but everything I did was looking at the graph to see right, when's the best time to train uh, in regards to my blood glucose levels, um, check it before, check it after each exercise, um, so I was constantly trying to gauge what each exercise did, what the impact it would be later on, everything. So it was just all about, can I train and can I train well? my glucose levels that was part one of this
0: episode if you are listening to this on the day of the release part two will be out tomorrow but if you're listening on any other day part two is the next episode on our list